0: Welcome to the Commander-in-Chief Podcast. I'm Yuri Krulman, Founder and CEO of Commander-in-Chief Media Group, award-winning Chief People Officer and Keynote Speaker, author of five books, Fortune 500 Consultant and Corporate Trainer, and contributor to Fast Company, Forbes, Entrepreneur, and Newsweek. Our mission at Commander-in-Chief Media is to help 100 billion people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now through storytelling, educational media, thought leadership, HR consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking, and authentic, high-quality writing, helping people become their own Commanders-in-Chief. Now, if you're interested in being a guest on the Commander-in-Chief podcast, stick around until the end of the show. We will share with you what we're looking for and
1: how to apply. Hey everybody, this is Yuri Kruman. I'm the host of the Commander-in-Chief podcast. As you guys know, we interview some very, very interesting people on the show. And uh, today I am very, very excited to speak with Shanu Mehta, the CEO of MMC Receipt. Shanu, welcome to the show. Please tell us about yourself.
2: Thank you, Yuri. Thank you for the warm introduction. So um, I'm Shanu Mehta, I'm afraid that I use um, the introduction is Professor Shanu Mehta, and I don't do it as much because, um, you know, unless you have some gray hair, you don't qualify as a professor, but I do. So I, I am a founder of MMC Deceit. We have I have co-founded three more companies along with MMC seed. They are MMC Convert, MMC Books, MMC VA, and fourth is MMC Seed. Uh, So after having an entrepreneurship experience, um, I got approached by the top management college in India, which is uh, IIM. They are called Indian Institute of Management. There are Mm -hmm. about 10 to 12 IIMs in our country. These are the A-grade management college. I get the privilege to teach entrepreneurship there.
1: Um, Best of the best. Even I know that. Even even uh, being far outside of India, I know that these are really some of the best schools in the world, not just in India.
2: Wow. Uh, I'm glad that you know about them. So I teach entrepreneurship there. Along with that, because um, I started pretty young. um, I started my first company at the age of 21. So I've had 10 years. Oh, now everybody decoded my real age. So yeah, now like two years ago, I started uh, one more initiative which is a social initiative um, which is called Art Sangini. This is an NGO which I found and What we do here is we, um, you know, we kind of work uh, for the financial independence of women of lower income group in India and uh, internationally also. So that is the social initiative I'm associated with. And I wanted to talk to Yuri about almost everything. He has uh, uh, his fair share of popularity. He has some very interesting questions. So I thought uh, it would be fun to have a conversation.
1: Okay. Well, I certainly certainly appreciate it. Maybe give us some uh, some sense of what your companies do and whom they serve, who you work with. I think that would be a very good place to start.
2: Sure. So uh, let me start with the newest company, which is MMC Receipt. Uh, it's a receipt capturing app. What we do here is that um, every time any small medium company or um, even a medium level enterprise, if They want to manage their expenses real time, it becomes a problem because your employees are on the field or maybe you yourself are making few expenses while running a company. And you're not aware that what is the cash flow going or what exactly is the health of your financial health of your business. So MC Receipt, what it does is you can capture your receipts real time and they will flow into the accounting software of your choice real time so let's say you've gone onto the field you made some expenses you just click a picture through mnc receipt and all you have to do is put a submit button and our engine which is at the back end processing the receipt putting it into your accounting software and voila! You don't have your your accountant does not have to bother. You don't have to bother. The entry is already being made into the accounting software. So this is what receipt capturing application MMCC does. We are integrated with uh, Zero, which is one of the world's most innovative accounting company. We are also integrated with Intuit QuickBooks Online and QuickBooks Desktop, which is the oldest um, accounting software, which is quite prominent in US, Canada, Australia, also in UK. Uh, We are integrated with FreshBooks, which is a Canadian accounting software. Uh, FreeAgent, which is a UK-based software. So we have Mm -hmm. tried to build integrations around various accounting softwares from the globe. So yeah, that's that's the newest product, Mm which is SaaS product. Um,
1: Cool. Um, And what about the, so, I mean, it seems like it's a suite of products. So if I'm a smaller, medium business owner, I can more or less plug this into whatever I have. Already going, whether it's you know, fresh books, quick books, whatever, and then saves me a lot of time, saves me a lot of, you know, probably other staff. Yes. A huge headache as well.
2: Yeah. So for any accountant, it is probably like a like a blessing because otherwise they have to collect a shoebox of receipts and they keep punching the data into the accounting software and then they have to code. So all of that work has been automated through this app
1: well what's what's your vision i mean uh, i can i can understand you know helping small and medium sized business owners that's that's obviously a big deal but let's say you know 10 years down the road what what's your vision what what are you building here
2: so uh, what i feel is that as we are talking i mean accounting or bookkeeping is something which every business like how you say food um, clothing shelter i think compliance in our world is also as much important um, As you know, whichever part of the world you are, you have to make compliances for your business. Now, let's say if you're bookkeeping, and as we're talking, there are millions of expenses being made, millions of receipts being collected, millions of uh, customers who have been raised invoice. So what my vision with all of this is that if we can have a collective intelligence of what is being coded into what, I think we can make all of this quite smooth. Let's say if somebody is going to Starbucks and one piece of the software knows that Starbucks is usually meals or food or anything of that sort, there is no need to recode it ever again. Mm. So my idea is that I think we should build a collective intelligence around accounting so that with all the knowledge that has been stored on cloud and digital platforms, at least this The scoring part can become as a smooth uh, functioning that can be offered to SMEs because owners' business, as a business owner, I understand my domain expertise is running my company. I should not be bothered about compliances and financial stuff and all of that. That should just come as a snapshot and I should know my business is doing good or not. That is it. So the idea is that, to, to explore the collective intelligence through the cloud platform.
1: Very cool. So, look, uh, let's let's talk a bit about you know the professor side of things because I, I, I mean the, the vision is big, right? There's definitely yes. a lot a lot to do here. It's not just some APIs and you know uh, taking hours away from uh, the owner doing the work, right? So
2: absolutely, I I love it yeah. when I see a budding uh, um you know a management employ management trainee um and I see that fire of entrepreneurship into him. And I feel that, oh, wow, you know, I want to ignite this fire more and I want him to turn into an entrepreneur from a management training. So I think what you're talking exactly makes sense. In the larger vision I want more entrepreneurs in the world.
1: Amazing. Let me, let me take a little bit different tack. So, um, I mean, this is not just true in India, but I think India is a very interesting case study. I think uh, pretty much in every place where... You know, women have opportunity to grow businesses. Something really magic happens. By the way, it's not just uh, growing businesses; it's being part of government, part being part of academia. Pretty much anything. You know, women make things you know, grow. So, as as a woman in India who's building a business that you know potentially could empower even millions of women, why not, right? Do you see kind of uh, do you see the work that your products do already in that regard? I'm just kind of curious to see where where that might take us.
2: I didn't get the last part of your question. Could you repeat that bit?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm just trying to kind of think, um, you know, again, it might not be the most, uh, like, you know, if you talk about just accounting, right? It's maybe not the most interesting subject. It's not something that most people are like, oh yeah, accounting, yes, awesome, right? But if you think about it, right, if you empower people to run their business smoothly, Again, people doesn't just mean kind of the prototypical male who starts a business, you know, because of ego, because of whatever. Right? There's so many women out there, and again, just I'm just thinking about India alone. I'm talking about millions and millions of women that are already business owners, and there are many, many millions and tens of millions of others that potentially could do businesses as well. So something like this, I would imagine, would be a part of your mission. It's not just help make business easier; it's also to empower certain people that may not have been able to enter business otherwise. Maybe you could tell us a bit more about that.
2: So exactly, this is exactly my social initiative. This is exactly my NGO does that we kind of find lead women in various sectors of society. And then we try to uh, do a skill mapping, that what can they do? And then we have an entrepreneurship program, uh, which we run through our NGO, and we kind of um, marry the skills that they have with the opportunities we have in the market. So I found a very interesting thing, and uh, it's a little bit of, uh, it, it comes or it inspired from a spiritual philosopher based out of India called OSHO. I'm not sure if um,
1: you've heard of Tell him. us more. Tell us more. I, I think most people are not familiar.
2: Okay. So, uh, Osho Rajneesh, he's uh, quite a famous Indian philosopher who has also, mm-hmm. uh, you know, followers across the world. But in in U.S., he has a huge following. So, basically, he says that this whole concept of equality between men and women, it is a little bit paradoxical um, because men are uh, wired to do a certain kind of things and women are wired to do a certain kind of things. There is a masculine energy, there is a feminine energy. So if you're talking about muscle power, send men. But if you talk about resistance or mental power, send women. If you're talking about, let's say, you know, um, uh, attacking, send men. If you're talking about defense, or you're talking about conversation or counseling, send women. Or if you're talking about math, send men. If you're talking about research, send women. So he has just given a framework that there are certain type, type of things which require masculine energy and there are certain kind of things which women are very natural, I mean, they're naturally good at it. All you mm-hmm. have to do is just identify the areas and fit in both the sexes in a, in a particular position. So I, uh, when I talk to the women, um, you know, when we take sessions, I don't ask them to, you know, replace or do th- something which men are doing. I ask them to explore their own natural side something which comes really naturally to them something which looks like a task to men and it it just flows when a woman is doing it so that's the first exercise we do we do a skill mapping and then we come up with then we try like how a traditional word which we use in startup is market fit then we find a market fit that what that collective of women can do and we just go for it and somehow touched by god's grace it has worked really well trying not to be somebody else, trying not what men are doing, just flowing with energy, just flowing with your own skill set.
1: Beautiful. I love this message. Um, At the risk of offending uh, all the American feminists out there, um, I think there's something very special to this approach. Um, I'm not sure that in America it's something that most people would... Oh, what? What? No, no, no. I think it's... I'm, I'm in agreement with this, right? Being an Orthodox Jew, this is... This is in no way contradictory to the way I see the world. You're exactly right. I mean, I can look at my my mom, who's a professor um, in neuroscience. I can look at my wife, who's an executive director you know, for SD Water. Wow. Why in the hell would anybody want to replicate what men do? Men do a lot of very stupid and you know not not intuitive, not smart things. Why? why? <laughs> for what? We don't need more men doing stupid stuff, right? Women have often a much better, or more sound approach to many, many things in life. So I'm really happy to hear that you're running with this idea and, and putting it into practice. I mean,
2: oh, it's, it's definitely not my idea, but somehow this has worked for me. That's it. You know, I'm not trying to uh, say that, you know, of course, men can do great at negotiation as well. Men can do great at conversation. Right. But I'm just trying to say that you don't need to exactly replicate what men are doing. That's it.
1: Agreed. Great. Um I would love to hear a bit about your personal story. How how did you come to this? Again, you know, someone someone like yourself can go in a hundred different directions and you know succeed really well in any of them. Why why did you choose this particular field? Is this just because what you studied or is there some other reason? I'm curious.
2: So I'm a computer science engineer by profession. Um I, I just figured out that you said that you are a Jew. I don't know how how much of conservatism in in marriage there is uh, in your community, but in India, usually it is an arranged marriage setup which usually works. Um, so um, my parents they arranged a meeting. Uh, luckily, my husband and I we clicked. We got married. Um, now he is a uh, he's a CPA. He's an American CPA, and I'm a computer science engineer. So we thought that why not um you know try combine these two areas and figure out what we can do and mm-hmm. this idea sprang up when both of us we were on a honeymoon in new zealand so uh, zero as i mentioned it's uh, one of a one of a very innovative accounting company it had made uh, to the list of forbes most innovative company for consecutive sure. 3 years so we just were reading this on the stand in the new zealand zero happens to be a new zealand born company so on just by the whim we wrote a letter uh, email to the founder of Zero, Mr. Rod Drury. He said that, hey, we are in New Zealand, we are from India, we really love your work. Um, I think there could be possible synergies. Um, I would just want to meet and understand your vision. And he was so kind. Um, he said that, why don't you drop to the Wellington office of ours? Um, yeah. We went on time and he was having a annual meeting that day. So he uh, had you know, a few of his shareholders visiting and he was just giving updates about where Zero has moved. It was probably the second or third year of Zero. Uh then. And then we had a conversation and he said that, hey, you know, um, while we were talking and chatting, that like, why don't you give customer support to India? My husband knows accounting, I know technical bits, so we can help you. And in the meanwhile, he got a call and his technical team was saying that hey you know we have a bug in our software this particular thing cannot be fixed my husband being an accountant he said that you know what i think i overheard they are doing something which i think i can fix so he uh, offered a solution i because i understood uh, technology i could give them a way around on how to implement that solution and he was quite happy to hear that so he said hey you know why don't you guys work with us in some capacity and he said that we want people to come to zero, but there is a resistance. They, you know, they don't want to leave their old accounting software so easily. So, uh, can you do something about it? So it's like, yeah, we can write code, we can write tools so that conversion can become very easy. Whatever software you are on, we can just run some scripts, we can massage the data and make it into a platform in, in a format which is easily acceptable for zero. So that is how we started our company. So Uh, again, like, you know, it is just, you have to be clear around what you want to do and opportunities, whenever they come, you just have to be hands-on. I think we took a risk to write an email that, hey, we are here, let's meet. I think, again, we took a risk by overstepping on the authority and said that, hey, we have a solution, can we try? And again, we took a risk asking him that can we become a conversion partner when we knew nothing about it? But we asked that, hey, you know is there a synergy there so i think those small risk taking um, that that aptitude to take risk and that ability to absorb the consequences of it that is what differentiate an entrepreneur from a from from somebody who is probably into a 9 to 5 job so i think mm-hmm. uh, uh, somehow it clicked at the right time uh, god has been kind and this is how the first company was born
1: Beautiful. Love this kind of story. So let, let's let's pause for a minute and just process what you said. I think there's some very, very important things here. So number one, okay, taking a risk. Again, this is not the kind of risk where you put hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars down. You're just exactly. reaching out to someone, right? What's the worst thing that can happen? Yeah. They say no. Most likely, believe it or not, I found this myself, right? I'm kind of bring in my own story to this. We moved to Israel about seven months ago and you know I, I took a risk. I reached out uh, to someone who's the top marketer in Israel for startups, Hillel Fold. Right. And the funny thing is actually I was about to reach out, so he reached out to me first. Okay, cool. He's like, Hey, how did you get in these publications? I'm like, let's meet up. Hey, what the hell? So I got on the train, I went to Tel Aviv and like met up with him. He's like meeting with ten people at a time in this cafe. It's amazing. And he's like, Okay, remind me who the like who the hell are you? Like <laughs> I, like listen okay I'm, I'm like let me let me tell you like how i did this like wow that's pretty cool okay well how can i help you i feel bad like i'm, I'm always helping you're the one helping me now like listen don't worry we'll figure it out wow okay? and then later on i followed up i just said hey you know what well um you know i'd love to get people on my podcast he's like oh well why don't you just send me intros and i'll forward them so i had me correct the intros three times and then be just like hey good luck guys good luck guys these people come on my podcast. I was like, wow. wow. So often, often the risk, the risk is like, it's not actually a risk. All you have to do is make the trip, write the email, make the call. You don't have to pitch anything. All you have to do is add value. Exactly. Add value, not in some stupid sense, like, Hey, here's an article. But it's like, Hey, you know what? I, I get it. I get your business. I know what you're trying to do. I know where you're headed next. I can help you with that so here's my toolkit or here's my i'll consult you for free or coach you for free right it's not rocket science but i think what you brought up is incredibly valuable a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of people in general are just sort of sitting like oh my god what, what, what do i do like how i'm afraid what is that person going to eat you alive well are they going to like kill your career no <laughs> the worst that happens is you don't hear back from them or they say no but even if they say no, they remember you. So I just, I wanna, you know, take take a pause to salute you for bringing that up because I think it's very, very important. Great. So I so, have a
2: simple formula around this, if I may add here. Uh, so please, please. Uh, for me, uh, when I want to approach somebody, I follow a formula mm-hmm. called ACV, where A means just grab their attention somehow you know, uh, maybe you can just pat on their back, you can be available, you can you can wear something funny or whatever. Once you've got attention, even for two seconds, five seconds, something that's your window. In that particular window, you have to offer some value to them. So while you are making a conversation or something, as just you said, that you have to be well researched for for those five seconds. Once you get attention, offer something which is to be which which probably could be of value to them. Forget about who you are, forget about your social capital. Just forget everything about what you know you are. Just offer something valuable for that person. And then the other thing would be C, where you just have to confirm, you have to offer your entire presence at that particular moment. That for that particular moment you have to make that person, he's the most important person in the world for you. I think you know what if, if we try these three things, it is not. A very difficult thing or a rocket science to just you know have somebody be interested in you and as you said that you know you got that guy interested in you for a few seconds and in those few seconds you would have said yes okay fine i'll come to your podcast so i i think the way you approached it or maybe when when we try, there's no harm what is there to lose just few just few um you know less of social capital that's it
1: exactly Beautiful. Okay, so you talk to the founder of uh, Xero and you build a prototype. What happens next? I mean, it's not all smooth sailing from there, right? Sure. Tell us about some of the the challenges you came across and and how you overcame them.
2: So only that part was easy. Finding the idea part was easy. (laughs) Later on, everything was like a mountain to climb. Mm -hmm. So we came back to India. Now, we've already committed that, hey, we'll write the tool. Now, we have no idea how the software looks like and everything. Uh, so, me and my husband, we worked out of our laptop, we worked out of our uh, apartment. I think 18 hours a day, we, we were trying to read the API, we were trying to build a tool. Once the tool was ready, we didn't uh, want to go and find the capital for something which is like, you know, it's, it's a service industry. So we thought we want to be customer funded, not even bootstrapped. We want to be customer funded. So that's the first step we took. We actually reached out to the Xero community. We found that who all are using Xero and we started writing a mail to them uh, that if you're interested in moving your software data from any other software to Mm Xero, we can do it for free. So we just found a few customers that helped us enable our tool um, that helped us better our tool, and then we asked them that, "How much are you willing to pay for this kind of thing?" And luckily, we got ten starting customers who were okay to pay like hundred dollars, two hundred dollars. So this is how we we made our tool first, and then we went to zero. That hey, list this on your marketplace. So whoever is coming to zero has to come through us. Um, in in the meanwhile, like there was a lot of uh, uh, manual work required because we would say we have to deliver this in three three days but the tool was still building up but because we had committed a given timeline we were we involved a manual team to do that um you know these people fi- found out that there is a lot of manual intervention involved and there were a lot of other companies who were actually technically much advanced because they have much better tools than us so then uh, somehow we we kind of kept uh, you know making iterations in our tool so that we can reach to that level but everything was customer-funded. So that is, I think, uh, one of the strong suit for us that we were built by very real customer reviews.
1: Fantastic. Yeah, that's, that's a great lesson. I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially these days, the VC markets are completely insane. It's like, hey, money, 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 right? And there's a lot of very dumb money. And entrepreneurs, especially when they don't really understand how valuations work and dilution and all of that kind of stuff, they really step into that quicksand, right? So to hear a story like this, where um, you know you're you're not starting with just an idea and some you know massive, uh, let's say, momentum based on the pedigrees of the founders, which I'm sure you could have, you know, I'm sure you could have used as well. But you know, you're you're taking the time to research by talking to people who are actual users. What are their problems? And then you're offering usually very simple manual solution. Before you build a tool, before you create yes. software, you just help them connect the pipes. It's not Absolutely. very complicated.
2: Yeah, you then, use exactly the right words.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then they, they see, okay, someone helped me save a lot of time. So, of course, I'm going to, I want to pay for that. I don't want to be a schmuck and just take advantage. Yeah. And so you have a lot of, a very large proportion of people that say, Okay, how, like how, how much, how much can I pay you? You know, a couple hundred bucks, something. And eventually you get loyal customers. You don't need that many. You don't need thousands and millions, right? You just have to start out with a core group of, I don't know, 10, maybe a hundred, right? People that really, they, they have a great feeling about your work, that you help them do something that they themselves couldn't do. You, be, you know, charged very little or nothing and they're your biggest fans. Often that kind of energy can propel you to the next level where you build the MVP, you start initial word-of-mouth marketing, and then then you can turn on the engine of, of proper marketing. marketing, right? Once you have more, more of a fan base.
2: So absolutely. like One important lesson very early on we learned about pricing was that initially when we didn't know that, there, because our, this was a niche service, people didn't know about it, so, um, we just asked them that, hey, how much are you willing to pay for that? Initially, we just told them, can you uh, like it's $50 for the entire end to end service or a hundred dollars people would pay. But when we told them how much you are willing to pay for it, it is contrary uh, to the popular opinion. People are usually very generous. If they like your work, people yep. pay $200, so $300 when we had initially just asked for hundred. So when you provide something of value, I think people are generous and, uh, you
1: know, it might work for you that way. Yeah, it's it's a lesson I keep hearing over and over. You know, Hillel was the first guest on uh, this podcast and, you know, he's very, very clear and consistent with his philosophy. He's like, look, even, even in a country where, you know, everyone's trying to get a fast one than somebody else, give, 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 just give. You don't know how it's gonna come back to you, but it will come back to you, right? People feel like, okay, this guy really delivered something very valuable to me. I want to pay you back. Maybe I'll hire him as a consultant. You know, maybe I'll uh, refer something to him or someone to him that'll help him. And it builds, it really builds. And, you, you know, ironically, it can be much worse if you charge a lot up front for something because exactly. you're like, wow, well, i a top professional. Absolutely. Very valuable lesson. I appreciate you teaching us that. So, okay, you've, you've built a prototype. Uh, you have your initial fan base. What happens next? How do you get to where you are today?
2: So, keep doing the same thing, create the domain expertise until you are the main authority in that particular thing. I think that is the approach we followed. You have to consistently do it for hours and hours without being distracted. I think at least this is what worked for me. Once you build, build a domain expertise, once you build yourself as an authority in that particular space, that is when you charge premium, that is when you diverse, that is where you upsell. that is when you cross sell. But until then, just Focus on what you're good at, build the number of hours, and it will create reverse attribute to the financial value. And then, when there is a right time, diverse. So, this is what we did once MMC Convert was created as a brand. We had a decent expertise in the global accounting space. We we became exclusive partners with Xero, Intuit, Free Agent, Fresh Books. Then we started diversifying into other areas, which were upsell of our services. So, we started books, where we, because conversion, people would come, they would migrate from one software to another, but they would want bookkeeping services. They would want uh, automated services. They would want something smart to do with their books and reports. So that is where we added industry books. Um, The third thing was, because we were doing bookkeeping, there was still a lot of manual intervention. And as I mentioned, that if something is being digitally coded once, I think there should be a better way to not repeat the whole thing, to not reinvent the wheel and just take out the data from the collective intelligence system. So that is how we built an Receipt. So I think uh, seven to eight years of continually doing what we were good at and then creating the add-on products to that. That has been our strategy and um, luckily it has worked so far. We, we have been covered uh, by Inc. 5000, which is a, a, a US uh, company as one of the fastest growing American company. We are on the number 245th of that. So yeah, hard work pays okay. off if you are if you have grit and consistency.
1: Amazing. Love this story. Cool. Um, I wanted to ask you just as a last um, question about the business. So, okay. I mean, there's a ton of products out there these days. I, I spoke to someone uh, running, let's say, a business that's really a data business, but it looks like uh, fixing commercial trucks. These are laptops. There's gonna be an episode coming out, I think in another week or two. So in that conversation, we, we also spoke about how this business grows, right? Because as you have, let's say, um, I mean, there's a massive number of these tools, right? But the ones I think that will be much more valuable, yes, they're integrated with other larger platforms, but there's another element, which is AI and, and predicting the, let's say spending patterns and how that feeds into credit scores, there's a whole bunch of layers on top of the data, and I mean, I can only imagine the incredible value of the data that you've collected over the last seventy years or whatever it is, All right? So, how does that look like for you? What, how does your business grow from just a convenience and a software to something that, let's say, much larger platforms, maybe any of the fan companies, because they their whole point is to figure out buyer behavior and serve them what they need before they even know they need it. So I'm just curious how you think about that particular element, the data and maybe, you know, training data sets uh, with AI, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Sure. So um, combining the business intelligence behind all the four companies, as you rightly said, like, let's say we have the access to the historical accounting data for last four years. So we know that which is the season where, in which particular industry the receivables are really high, which is the season in which the payables are almost delayed by 30 days, which is a season where small-medium entrepreneurs are not being paid on the right time. The terms are quite big, like for SMEs, and for the big companies, the terms are really shorter, which, which should be the other way around. So, you know, when you have access to the historical accounting data for so many businesses combined with which particular element is building onto the balance sheet and so see, um, I, I feel like as a CEO of any company, you should just not be a p person, you should also be a balance sheet person, right? Yes. So, uh, and sometimes we, CEOs happen to miss the points because they think, oh, hey, I want to focus on revenue, 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 or I want to focus on the bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. But I don't think that works that way. The collective, in, I mean, the, the entire economy has an impact on your business and because this space where we are we we operate with we, there's a florist but there is also an uh, a, ngo then there is a truck company then there is a italian uh, furnishing company so uh, we have uh, the data around the various economy and the past historical reg- regulated data which is being uploaded on all the websites so uh, this gives you a higher level understanding of how a balance sheet of a particular industry is looking like, if if I may call it that way. So, in order to be on a high level execution position, you you just cannot be a and L person. You have to know the balance sheet of the entire industry, and I think that is what I'm trying to trying to build slowly after we have more uh, intelligent data about it.
1: Great. So just for a little context, again, I I like to kind of insert little pieces to to add context because not all people understand accounting, not all people understand economics, et cetera. So I think just a very quick anecdote, for example, think about not too long ago, maybe three, four weeks ago, uh, up to maybe eight weeks ago. So a lot of small business owners, let's say they ordered inventory. And imagine given the supply chain crisis, everything is delayed, right? And they pay up front for it. They don't get it in time. They can't sell it in time. So there's this whole massive chain reaction of small businesses and, and medium businesses being delayed. And, and you can imagine the impact that has on the bottom line and hiring and firing and all, the, all of these kinds of things. So it's, it's nothing like an inconvenience. It's, it's a massive deal. When yes. you talk about that over you know the, the entire size of the economy, et cetera, it's, it's really a huge problem. So if, you know, let's say you're in a position where you can have some predictive power over that, meaning, okay, this happened last year, maybe, you know, over a historical period over the last five, seven years, right? You can either warn those people, hey, buy your merchandise earlier, or, you know, arrange alternative suppliers, or, you know, arrange some kind of alternative shipping, whatever it is, right? So I think it's it's very, very important from a business perspective to to understand not just trends, but, you know, what is to come. Yeah. And if you don't just look at, okay, here's my company or here are my five top competitors, but, you know, everyone working in the space over the entire country, what about the, you know, the industries that are adjacent to this? Suddenly have a much, much better ability to plan ahead and, and not maybe waste as much money to order on time, not to have to fire people, right? Make sure that you're, uh, let's say, warehouses are ready, your shipping is ready, and then you can continue business with, with less risk. So again, Absolutely. I just want to put that out there because I to it's a very important context. Exactly. Beautiful. So the last thing yeah. um I want to ask you, as I ask every single guest, um, first of all, I just have to give you tremendous credit. This has been a great conversation. I love hearing you know the, the real stories because it's not it's not about you know the five bullet points your PR person sent you. It's yeah. like look it's It's really freaking hard to build a business, and maybe one thing is you know easier maybe it's, it's the idea, maybe it's finding the right partner to work with, but so many things are just really, really hard, and you know it doesn't mean you can't get over them. you just need to make sure that your mindset is is very good to deal with that kind of stress. You have the right people with you, and you don't necessarily run after funding 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 you have to build things in the right order, sometimes it's better to do it slowly, but you do it in the right way and great things happen. So I appreciate you sharing your story with us and that's, I think it's a very important lesson for our listeners. So the last part, as I mentioned, I like to ask about your life wisdom, right? Clearly you've collected quite a bit. Um, The four things that I care a lot about are conversations about health, mental models and life skills, dealing with other people, and of course, our conversation with God or the universe. So I would love to hear your perspective on any or all four of those, any, you know, tips, tricks, strategies, any any sort of wisdom from any source that you've encountered that really helps you in your life and in your business.
2: I, I think um, the mental model that you mentioned of, uh, First of all, we don't talk about mental health as much. I think I'm, I'm happy that the more of co- more conversation is happening around that. Uh, so, uh, what usually I do is that clarity uh, of the purpose of your life. I think that is that can become a decision factor that can help you make a lot of choices in the world. So, every time, like from the from the moment we wake up to the end of the day, we are making decisions. So. Again, if I may get a little bit of spiritual uh, spiritual angle from India to yes. put into it. Um, so there is this uh, uh, a spiritual book in India called Gita, uh, which is, uh, there is a Lord Krishna, and he is telling Arjun, who is going for a war, what are the ways of life, how the life should be run, and what is the philosophy of war, what is the philosophy of family, what is the philosophy of love, what is the philosophy of, you know, rivalry or anything. So in Gita is a collective lesson. Among that, uh, there are a lot of pieces of advice, but one thing which I really like and I follow, I try to follow in my life is that how you make decisions. So the first thing is that when the most basic level of decision making is done on the instinct level. You know, you want to eat, you want to drink, you want to, you know, uh, so very instinctual things, very uh when, when you're making decisions, like animals, that, hey, I'm hungry, no I'm
1: hungry. Yeah.
2: yeah. So that is the first level of decision making. Second level of decision making is when you take decision based on the need, that you are really, really hungry, you need to feed yourself. So you will go and probably you will steal something. So now you're taking decision based on the need. That mm-hmm. Then comes the third level of decision, that is experience. That because you needed something, you did something wrong and somebody caught you and put you in a corner or you put in a jail or something. So your experience taught you that no matter how much you need something, you cannot do certain things. So that is experience level of decision making. Fourth comes when you are taking decision based on your wisdom. Whatever wisdom you've acquired around the world or whatever your learnings have been, uh, you take decision according to that wisdom. And then comes the calling that you, you're not taking instinct decision, you're not taking need-based decision, you're not taking just experience-based decision, you're doing something because your conscience say that it's the right thing to do or it is not the right thing to do. And above all of that is the calling. If you are that 1% or 0.01% people in the world that you really know what your calling is, then you make all your decisions around that. That, hey, this is aligned with my calling, I want to do it. It is not aligned with my calling, I'm not going to do it. So I, I think I follow this decision matrix. Uh, it makes my life clear. It gives me a lot of mental clarity. And I hope it makes me achieve the purpose of my life. That's it.
1: Amen. Love it. Yeah, actually, uh, you know, I was very briefly in neuroscience, and I always come back to this framework. Science proves exactly that this, this is how things work in practice in the brain, right? We have the kind of lower brain, which is the lizard brain. It's just, yes, us. avoid danger, procreate, et and you have the midbrain where it's like dopamine, you know, reward, 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 punishment, right? And then you have the higher cognitive uh, areas, right, where you slow down and you say, "Okay, I'm not in danger. I'm not, it's not after the reward or the punishment. It's just, you know, based on my experience, based on my learnings, based on my values, my culture, language, etc. What what comes out from that?" Yeah, You have to, you know, that's that's exactly what you said in so yeah. many words.
2: So I think that's a behavioral, uh, there's a stream of evolutionary biology, right? What you mm-hmm. just said. So I think uh, exactly. the stream of science also probably is aligned to that fact. But yes, I mean, it takes time to reach that level. We are not animals. We don't have to take decisions based on survival. We, we, we've been, uh, you know, thousands and, you know, probably millions of years of you know, growth has made us what we are. And even if now we take decision based out of instinct, it would be foolish. So, yeah, I think uh, you just rightly put it that, uh, you know, once you get this thing that, hey, I, I nobody is coming to attack me. Nobody is doing any harm to me. I have to just slow down and take my decision so that it's better for everybody around me. That that wisdom takes time. So I I I feel that's a... Very, very good statement because philosophy few people might not understand, but science people are keen to understand.
1: (laughs) Not that they trust it anymore, but hey. (laughs) Janda, thank you so much. You've shared some really timeless wisdom with us. You've shared your story. You've been very generous with your time and insights. Uh, We really salute you for coming on been a tremendous guest Um, and uh, I'd love to have you back on at some point. So please stay in touch.
2: Thank you for crafting such wonderful uh, questions. I I didn't know that these are the questions coming, but you really made me think, pause and, uh, you know, and I'm glad we could have some interesting conversation.
1: Wonderful. I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. Okay. So everybody stay tuned uh, next week for the next episode. Cheers.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Commander-in-Chief Podcast. To apply to be a guest on the show, head on over to cicmediagroup.com backslash guest. CIC is in Commander-in-Chief. So that's cicmediagroup.com backslash guest. These guys, help us spread the word about the podcast and our mission on social media. We're cooking up something truly special over here. And we really need your help to spread the message. The reviews especially are huge for helping us grow and get the golden nuggets of wisdom from our world-class guests out into the world. Go on ahead, give us a review rating on whichever platform you use to listen. Our mission at commander chief Media is to help 100 million people around the world in the next 10 years to do their life's best work in the here and now through storytelling, educational media, thought leadership, consulting, corporate training, coaching, speaking and authentic high quality writing helping people to become their own commanders in chief and before you go please make sure to hit that subscribe button for us here at the commander in chief podcast so that you can be the first to know when new episodes run let's not be strangers friend okay please connect with us on facebook twitter linkedin wherever you hang out and of course if you want to learn more about our work and impact or just access some great content, plenty of them. Head on over to cicmediagroup.com. That's uh, CIC as in -in Commander-in-Chief, mediagroup.com. Once more, this is Yuri Kruman, and
1: thanks for listening.